0: The casebook of Gregory Hood was a radio detective program in the United States. It existed in several versions, with different stars on different networks in different years. Hood was an importer in San Francisco who dealt in rare items. John Dunning summarized the show's premise as follows, with his sidekick Sanderson, Sandy, Taylor, Hood traveled the world seeking artifacts for his import house. Each item found by Hood had an intriguing history and was inevitably linked to some present-day mystery. The character of Hood was based on real-life importer Richard Gump, who lived in San Francisco. Gump also was a consultant for the program. Hood was a character with a multifaceted personality. One website devoted to old-time radio wrote about him as follows. Gregory Hood was also an accomplished pianist and composer, a self-taught forensics expert, spoke several languages fluently, was an expert in ancient and modern armament, had a military intelligence background, was a wine expert with an extensive rare wine cellar and was an acknowledged expert in Oriental tapestry. He lived in a penthouse on San Francisco's Knob Hill and employed a Chinese valet, Fong. On June 3, 1946, the casebook of Gregory Hood began on the mutual broadcasting system, replacing the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes for the summer. Although intended to be just a summer replacement, it continued in the fall, sponsored by Petrie Wine. Jeffrey Marks, in his biography of co-creator Anthony Boucher, explained, The show had originally been planned as a summer replacement for The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes in 1946, but continued for the next year when the radio network had difficulty in reaching an agreement with the Conan Doyle estate. The program had another full season run on ABC in 1949-50 and also resurfaced periodically in summer slots. The show was written by Boucher and Dennis Green, who also teamed to write The Holmes Show. Marx provided this background. Boucher and Green did such a good job for the home show that they were asked about writing an original series for Mutual Radio. Radio shows relied on new episodes. Just as TV airs reruns during the summer, radio shows gave their actors a summer hiatus of 13 weeks. Networks frequently ran original short-run programming during the summer. Boucher and Green came up with the case book of Gregory Hood, a San Francisco-based antiquities expert who seemed to find current-day crimes in the artifacts that he dealt with. The casebook of Gregory Hood was nearly identical to the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes in its opening—same sponsor, same announcement, same narrator frame for storytelling, and the same music. The narrator stopped by to visit Gregory either in his office or home, and the story was told by Hood. Hood's own Watson, Sandy Taylor, accompanied him. Taylor was Hood's lawyer and friend. Book reviewer Bertil Falk noted that the technique Boucher and Green used a deep roots in storytelling. He wrote, The structure was of a very ancient kind, a frame story where Gregory Hood and his friend tell Harry Bartell a story from the casebook of Gregory Hood. It is a literary method well known from the Arabian Nights and much older than that, since it was used in the Sanskrit work Panchatantra more than 2,000 years ago. Gail Gordon played Gregory Hood in the initial version of the program. Others who had the leading role later were Elliot Lewis, Jackson Beck, Paul McGrath, Martin Gable and George Petrie. Sidekick Sanderson Taylor was portrayed at various times by Art Gilmore, Carl Harbord, William Bakewell and Howard McNair. Changes in stars, time slots and networks undoubtedly hindered the show's success. Marx wrote, The show suffered from a constantly rotating cast, Boucher grew increasingly annoyed with the lack of support for the series. Boucher indicated his dissatisfaction in some personal correspondence, as to myself and the contest. The excellent idea you proposed of entering a Gregory Hood short story no longer appeals to me. My relations with the agency controlling the Hood program have become so unsatisfactory that I have no desire to build up their property for them, nor to associate myself too closely with it." In 2009, Crippen and Lindru Publishers produced a volume of their Lost Classic series devoted to the Casebook of Gregory Hood. The book contains 14 scripts from the series. <laughs>
1: brings you The Casebook of Gregory Hood. Tonight, the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to the story of The Free Silver Paces. Another exciting story from The Casebook of Gregory Hood. And I'd like to invite you to try something that will turn those impatient minutes you spend waiting for dinner to be served into a time you really look forward to. You can do that by pouring yourself a glass of Petri California Sherry. Yes, sir, just sit back and enjoy that Petri Sherry. Good? It's great. Just hold that glass of Petri Sherry to the light and notice the beautiful deep amber color. Clear as crystal. Get the aroma of this fine wine. It has all the fragrance of the luscious, sun-ripened grapes from which it's made. But wait till you taste that Petri Sherry. (laughs) Then I can stop talking because you'll know for yourself how good it is. Oh, and say, if you like your Sherry dry, you know, not sweet, Petri makes a delicious dry Sherry, Petri Pale Dry. If you don't know which you prefer, the regular Sherry or the Pale Dry, why not try them both? Don't buy one, buy two. But just be sure you always buy Petri. Well, it's Monday evening in San Francisco, and we have a date with Gregory Hood and his friend Sanderson Taylor. Our rendezvous tonight is at Gregory's apartment, high on Knob Hill and overlooking the San Francisco Bay. Let's keep our date, shall we? Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Hello, Kwong. Mr. Hurt expecting you. Mr. Taylor, I've already arrived. Please go in, sir. Thanks, Quang. Harry Bartell, how are you? Hello, Sandy. Glad to see you. Ah, oh, good evening, Harry. Evening, Gregory. Oh, oh, please don't stop playing. That sounded swell. Oh, you like it? our first appearance on the radio, I thought I'd whip up a little number in honor of the occasion. Other radio shows have a musical theme. I thought this might be appropriate for ours. (laughs) So as well as being the head of Gregory Hood and Company Importers, and an amateur detective, You're also a composer, huh? In a very modest way, Harry. Mm -hmm. How about you, Sandy? I know that you're Mr. Hood's attorney as well as his closest friend. Uh, Do you have any unusual
2: talent you've been hiding under a bushel? (laughs) No, Harry.
1: I'm a very dull dog compared to Gregory. I'm a good family man. I shoot an erratic game of golf, and I wield a writ of habeas corpus with uh, moderate (laughs) dexterity. Ah, don't believe a word he says, Harry. Sandy has many hidden talents. The fact that you'll find out as tonight's story gets underway. Uh, Would you care for a glass of sherry? Oh, that'd be very nice, Gregory. Uh, Which particular page of the notebook have you decided to turn to for your first story? A page that has the heading, The Case of the Three Silver Pesos. Uh, We thought it was an adventure that would show you, Harry, that Gregory and I really don't go looking for trouble, (laughs) uh, though we do have an uncanny facility for meeting up with it. And uh, how did the Three Silver Pesos catch up with you? Well, it was about six o'clock one evening a few weeks ago that Sandy and I started our drive across the Bay Bridge for Sandy's home in the Berkeley Hills. Little did we think that what promised to be an evening of pleasant domesticity was destined to turn into as wild and woolly an adventure. Bridge is beautiful in this line, isn't it, Gregory? Stunning. Just the same, I missed the ferry boat. Well, if you made the trip across as often as I do, you wouldn't. The bridge is not half an hour off the trip. Even so, I. Hey, look at that car. Why doesn't he stay in his own lane? He's an oozer. They drive him crazy. What's an oozer? Plenty of them on the roads. When they change lanes, they never give a signal. They just ooze. (laughs) What
2: the devil is...
1: Watch out, Gregory. He's weaving from side to side. Now he's pulling in toward the rail. He's trying to stop. But you're not allowed to stop on the bridge. He must be ill. I'm going to pull up behind him. Look, he's opened the car door. He's staggering toward the pedestal. This looks like a suicide attempt. Come on, Sandy. Get away from that parapet! That's yes, 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 yes. too high a jump for you, my friend. Sandy, oh, hold him. Yes, right. Here we are. Say, who are you? Gun. gun. Gun? Yes, yes, a gun would be simpler. Come on, get in our car. We'll see you home. <sighs> Gregory, I, I believe he's dead. Get into the car. Poor devil, I suppose his heart gave him his wish. And get into a doctor fast. We may be wrong. Oh, here comes a cop. Hey! You can't stop on the bridge. Get moving. Uh, We've got to get this man to a doctor, officer. He's seriously ill. What about his car? Uh, You get his car cleared off the bridge, officer. We'll call back when we get to the Oakland side and make our report. Okay, get moving. He's dead, Gregory, I'm sure of it. Did you find any identification on him? According to his wallet, his name is Harrison Travers, and he's from Los Angeles. Anything in his pocket? Package of Chesterfields, room key from the Hotel Barton. Oh, that's one of those flea dumps on Kirk Street. huh? What else? Three silver pillow. What is it? A small glass vial. Empty. Uh, Gregory. Hmm? Smell it. Good Lord, cyanide. Do you suppose he swallowed it as he stepped out of the car? Could be. As soon as we get across the bridge, we'll stop at the nearest doctor's and find out.
2: And that's our story,
1: Dr. Arnold. What explanation can you give, Doctor? This is a fantastic case, gentlemen. You see that the man talked of the gun, carried an empty cyanide vial, tried to jump off the bridge, and apparently died of heart failure. That's right, Doctor. All very interesting, my friend. But this body happens to have been stabbed. Stabbed? What? He died from a sharp instrument piercing the chest near the heart. This gentleman is (laughs) murdered. Back we head for the bridge to San Francisco with a corpse as a passenger. Hmm. Just at the time, we should be having a martini. Well, it's the only sensible thing to do, Gregory. The borderline between San Francisco and Alameda County runs right through the center of the bridge. The murder happened on the San Francisco side. Mm. So we hand a nice new corpse over to Lieutenant Magruder of Homicide, who hates me and probably won't believe a word to say. We can't take any chances, Gregory. We're mixed up in a murder case. True, true. But Magruder will probably say the guy was stabbed to death in my arms. I'll have a heck of a job proving he wasn't. McGrew did love to put the finger on me. Now, Gregory, I'm not going to allow you to get mixed up in this any further. Ah, but I am in it, Sandy. Up to my chin. I've got to follow through to clear myself. But Dr. Arnold made that stabbing business perfectly clear, Gregory. A man with such a wound might easily think it a mere scratch. And walk around for an hour before he drops dead. The police surgeon will understand. I hope so. Uh, did you call Mary? Yes, yes. I, I said we'd be back by 7.30. It's all right. I suppose you told her we just had to run a corpse back to the city. Yes, a wonderfully understanding girl, Mary. <laughs> when she knows I'm with you, Gregory, she's prepared for anything.
2: Oh. Uh, Why are we
1: stopping? Don't you see the damsel in distress teetering on the curb ahead of us? Mm, damsel nothing. Damsels don't come right. Oh, you must guard against being snobbish, then. Well, in any
2: case, we've got a talk.
1: To uh, we'll say he's a bit under the weather. Um, <laughs> hop in, young lady. There's room for three in front.
2: Oh, well, Raleigh, I was beginning to think you'd never come along. Thanks. I'm Penelope, Penny's the sure. story.
1: My name's Taylor, and mine's Hood.
2: What's wrong with your friend in the back?
1: Him? Uh-huh. Oh, uh, he doesn't feel very well.
2: <laughs> Stiff, huh? Oh, well, it's happened before.
1: Uh, don't you think it's a little dangerous for young girls
2: to hitch rides across uh, the bridge? Don't worry, Mr. Penny can take care of herself. I had a date at 7.15, and I just missed the train. I didn't want to wait.
1: Well, I'm sure you didn't have to wait long for a ride. Mm-hmm,
2: I didn't, but I'm too busy. Too many lone wolves on wheels.
1: And when we slowed down, Penny, I suppose the natural honesty of our expressions decided you
2: that you'd be safe with us? <laughs> Say, you're pretty smooth. What's your other name, Mr. Hood? Gregory. I don't know how safe a girl would be with you, Gregory, but I bet you'd show a good time. Uh,
1: I am reputed to have my moments, Penny. Uh, Gregory, don't you think it was uh, Mr. Travers in the back? It oh, my! A...
2: What What's happened, Teddy? Oh, it's law. Please stop and let me out. It's brand new. Oh, that's the
1: trouble with these modern hats. They have no stamina. I'll go back and get it for you. Now, uh, watch the traffic, Gregory. Don't get out that time. Oh, don't worry, Sandy. I never commit suicide on Monday. You
2: climb out this way. I'll get out. Oh, Just move a over a
1: little bit. There, there we go. That'll do. Thank you. I'll be back in a jiffy. Mm, You're nice. What did he do? Do? Uh, hmm? Why, uh, he's in the importing business.
2: Oh, sounds so... Oh, look oh, up there! Isn't that the Honolulu Clipper coming in? Uh, I don't see it. Goodbye,
1: sucker! Hey, hey,
2: come back here! Come back. Well, I'll be, Sandy. Sandy, what happened?
1: Penny stole our car and our corpse. Sandy, Lieutenant Magruder's never going to believe this one. Mm-hmm. Story, Lieutenant Magruder. And you're expecting me to believe it, I suppose. What did I tell you, Sandy? Listen, Mr. Hood, you're in the importing business. I keep my nose out of that kind of stuff. Why do you mix yourself up with the homicide case? I didn't, Magruder. It mixed itself up with me. Yeah, don't give me that. You think you're a hot-shot detective. You're the smart boy who's always trying to show us up as a bunch of flat Don't waste my time. Magruder, the San Francisco police force is one of the finest in the country. Why do you have to spoil the record? What do I have to do to make you realize there's been a murder? Show me a murdered man. But we had him. His corpse was in the stolen car. Sure, sure. And before he was stiff, you thought he was going to jump off the bridge. Then he had a heart attack. Then he was going to shoot himself. Then that he's poisoned himself. And finally, a doctor told you he'd been nice. Yeah, to cap it all off a blonde babe, steals your car and your car. Who are you trying to kid? Well, I admit that it sounds unlikely, but it's true, Magruder. Prove it. Well, how about the traffic cop who came up to us on the bridge? Yes. He drove the dead man's car way ahead of it. He must have sent in a report. Must he now? Well, I've checked the records, and there hasn't been a traffic report from the Bay Bridge since 4 o'clock. Now, what do you say, Mr. Hood? That I'll prove it to you. Come on, Sandy. Come back on Saturday, Mr. Hood. It's my day off. Uh, You see how much your law-abiding instincts do for us, Sandy? Magruder doesn't believe us. And see what your chivalrous instincts did for us. Your damsel in distress runs off with your car
2: and the evidence.
1: Now we've got to follow this thing through to prove to Magruder that we're not nuts. you better call Mary and tell her it'll have to be a midnight snack. Uh, Okay, Gregory, but I don't see where we go from here. Luckily, I kept these three objects that were in the dead man's pocket. They're the only clues we've got. Uh, A hotel key, an empty vial, and three silver pesos. Yes. Let's take the key first. Hotel Barton, room 207. All right, Sandy, that's our first port of call. What a ghastly dump, Gregory. But as you see, service with an alleged smile. Oh, good evening. Well, Paul? I'm so glad. I hope you stay that way. What do you want? To see Mr. Harrison Travers? No Travis here. Never was. Uh, but this key... Two seven. Good. Glad to have it back. Stolen from us months ago. Thanks. Bye. Uh, who's living in that room? I am. Good night. You know, Gregory, I, uh... I'm beginning to think that Magruder was right. That this whole business... Didn't happen after all, and I'm getting as obstinate as all get out. I didn't believe that hotel clerk, but I couldn't search the room without a police warrant. And with McGruder in his present frame of mind, that wouldn't be the easiest thing to get. Where are we headed for now? The shop of my old friend Goldwasser, it's along here somewhere. How can he help us? He's a coin dealer, the best in San Francisco. I want to ask him about these three silver pesos. Ah, here's the shop. Hello, Henry.
2: Gregory Hoodman, dear boy, how good to see you. Hello,
1: this is Mr. Sanderson Taylor. How do you do? Doing Russell? Come. Let's go into my room at the back. We can sit down and be comfortable. Oh. There. How have you been, Heinrich? Fine, Gregory. Fine. All <laughs> oh, the better for seeing you after this long time. So, sit down. Uh, this is a very special occasion. Perhaps you will join me in a little glass of pork, my friend. Hey, wonderful idea. Uh, Heinrich, we're in something of a jam. I'm hoping you can help us. So? Oh, we to see what we can do. Gregory. Oh, thank Mr. Goodness. Taylor?
2: Thank you. Now, Gregory,
1: tell me how I may help you. Henry, I want you to look at these silver pesos. Ah. Is there anything odd or rare about them? Or uh, any way we could trace their ownership? None. There common enough coins I'm here. I have many such duplicate coins here. I will check this for weight. I will put one of your coins on the scale, though. And on the other scale, I shall put one of my duplicate coins, one that I know to be genuine. So. And what did you find? The coin I gave you is much lighter. It must be counterfeit. I do not think so. Let me look at it through my glass.
2: Oh,
1: very ingenious. What is it, Ernest? This coin, unscored. There's a hollow section inside, So, There's a white powder inside. Dope. At last we know what we're up against. May I use your telephone, Heinrich? Well, of course, my friend. So we're mixed up with a dope ring, Gregory. No doubt about it, Sandish. Now perhaps I can make Magruder nibble a little humble pie.
2: Police headquarters, Thomas, I Lieutenant Magruder speaking.
1: Uh, Magruder, this is the Gregory Hood.
2: It is, huh? Where are you?
1: Goldwasser's Coin Shop on Market. I've got some news for you, Magruder. I've got some for you. We found your car deserted on Turk Street. With a corpse in it? Sure. Good. Then now perhaps you believe the story. Only it wasn't Mm -hmm. the corpse you described. It was a nice, fresh corpse by the name of Penelope. Penny? Dead?
2: Stay where you are, Hood. I'll be right over to arrest you on suspicion of murder.
1: tonight's story from the casebook of Gregory Hood in just a second time for me to mention that the only thing necessary to make a good dinner just perfect is to serve that good dinner with a good Petri dinner wine with steak or chops or stew and in fact with any meat or meat dish you couldn't ask for a better companion than a glass of Petri California Burgundy Petri Burgundy is a hearty full-bodied red wine It's the very last word in wonderful flavor. If you're having fish or chicken for dinner, then you'd love Petri California Sauternes. Petri Sauternes is a delicately flavored, subtle white wine that your whole family will enjoy. Get a bottle of both, Petri Burgundy and Petri Sauternes. It's bound to be good if it's Petri. Well, Sandy, you certainly were in up to your ears that time. I guess you were able to talk yourself out of it. With Magruder? No, Harry. The more eloquent Gregory became, the more suspicious it seemed to make Magruder. And I couldn't do anything to prevent Magruder booking him on suspicion of murder. (laughs) You mean to say you were actually locked up? Yes, Harry. I landed in the (laughs) jug with a resounding splash at just about the time a civilized man is warming his cockles with a good brandy. Sandy scurried off to get rid of habeas corpus, but for nearly an hour I found myself in a cell adjoining a certain unhappy character named Joe. Poor Joe, I don't think he knew what to make of me. I'm
2: Joe, Joe the Zipper. Hi, Joe. Hey, what's your handle, Matt?
1: Sam, Sam McGee.
2: You look slick. You want a Charlie's mob?
1: No work I'm on.
2: And what the you for, Sam?
1: The works sliced up my mall.
2: You kidding?
1: Kidding? You're talking to Sammy the slicer. ought to see what I did to Fanny. Cut her in 19 pieces. A surgeon couldn't have done a better job. Not as neat a slicing as I did on Aunt Agatha, though. Ah, uh, I can still see her expression as I cut her head off.
2: Look, I'm just a small-time craft man. They shouldn't order to put me next to you. Hey, Charlie, hey, let me out of here. Hey,
1: off it, Joe, I'm going to spring you. I'm going to spring both of us.
2: I don't want to go nowhere with you. Hey, Charlie. Hide down,
1: Joe. i got a pineapple in my pocket going to toss it out there in the aisle and blow this coop sky high.
2: Don't do it. Hey, Johnny, come here. Sam, the slice is going to make the break. Get me away from him, will you? I stand in my constitutional rights. A guy's got a right to be locked up nice and quiet. Ah, uh, face down, Joe. Your attorney's here, Mr. Hood.
1: Oh. I'm sorry it took so long, Gregory. Come on. Uh, it's a cozy little cell, but I don't want to overstay my welcome. Oh, uh, so long, Joe. You
2: search him. The guy's a killer, and he's going
1: to play after the line. No bother him, Mr. Hood? No, no. But he's got the gall down, this imagination. Uh, did you get the car back, Sandy? No, still being held as evidence. Then we must grab a cab as fast as we can. There's a lot of unfinished business ahead of us. Where to, Max? Fisherman's Walk. Okay. Uh, Why Fisherman's Walk, Gregory? I just put in a call to Herb Kane at the San Francisco Chronicle. He tells me there's a film company shooting night location there. Uh, How does a film company tie in with our little headache? It's simple. I'm looking for an actor. Now, what's playing at the Geary Theater? A drawing room comedy. Yes, and there's a costume musical at the Curran. Correct. The stage show at the Golden Gate is a dance band and singers. No actors, so that's out. Therefore, a film company. Get it? Absolutely and unequivocally, No. Very well, let's work the case out backwards. Oh, that'll be a great help. Why not sideways? Maybe my recent incarceration has made me a little stir-crazy. Tell me how you figured the thing out so far, Sandy. Well, obviously, Travers, the man we found on the bridge, was mixed up with a dope gang and was probably killed in some, uh, internal quarrel. And Exhibit number 2, the late Penelope, where did she fit in? Oh, I don't think that's a hard one. She was a member of the ring. They stationed her near the entrance to the bridge knowing that a man of your notorious susceptibilities would be bound to pick her up. Oh, indeed. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. And then she stole the corpse. The hotel clerk was bribed to deny the murdered man's existence. And later they killed the girl to make things safer. Uh, Or maybe she wanted too much of a cut. Sandy, you're excelling yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Elementary, my dear Gregory. But uh, I still don't see where an actor enters the picture. But surely you see who the killer is now, don't you? Well, I... <laughs> I've read enough mystery stories to know that it must be the LSP, the least suspected person. You have that uh, LSP tone in your voice, Gregory. Eh? But uh, we haven't met any LSPs, uh, unless it's Goldwater or, or Dr. Arnold. Uh uh-uh. Remember, Sandy, the original bridge episode was never reported, nor was Travis' car turned in. Magruder told us that. So the traffic cop to whom we turned over Travis' car was a phony, and our killer probably. He was tailing Travers to make sure he died. Which he did. But uh, we got away with the call. So he phoned for Penelope across the bay to stop us on the approach to the bridge on the way back. Now, who could at a moment's notice outfit himself as a traffic cop for shadowing purposes? I get it, Gregory. An actor. Right. An actor having a uniform for such a role. Here you are, Max. Fisherman's (coughs) Wharf. Fine. Wait here for us, driver. We won't be a minute. Okay. Come on, Sandy. Hey, look at the crowds, Gregory. Oh, it's not surprising. Hollywood's putting on a free outdoor floor show. You can't come any farther, sorry. Oh, uh, who's the director on this picture? Oh, Chester Garland. I'm Bud Denton, second assistant. Can I help you? I hope so. Do you have an actor in this production who's playing a traffic cop? Yeah, funny you should ask that. He's been missing all day. So's his motorcycle. And no answer from his hotel, either. Uh, do you happen to remember the name of his hotel? Yeah. Hotel Barton on Turk Street. And his name? Gun. Fred Gunn. Fred Gunn. Much obliged to you. Come on, Sandy. You're welcome. Now it's clear, Sandy. The dying man's words meant not a weapon, but a name. What? Fred Gunn. Let's skip back into our cab and go back to the hotel Barton and visit with him. There's no Fred Gunn living here. And I tell you that he's still living in 207. Give us a passkey. Are you cops? No, but we're sending for them in a few minutes. You might as well keep yourself out of a bad mess. Here. Here's a passkey. And don't tie me up in anything. I just did what I was told. And what were you told, my friend? To say that I was living in 207. I didn't see any harm in that. We... We don't ask too many questions here. Is Fred's gun in his room now? Yeah, it came in an hour ago with some drunken bum that couldn't stand up. They were plastered as hootie owls. Let's go, Sandy. Right. Might as well walk up. It's only the second floor. I suppose if I were in this game professionally, I'd be carrying a gun, Sandy. Uh, I'd feel safer if you were, Gregory. Looks as if we've got a killer cornered in a rat hole. He might shoot before he asks questions, you know. Sandy... Hmm? I don't want to be melodramatic, but you've got a wife and two children. I, I wish you'd go back and wait for me in the lobby. Nice of you, Gregory. But this is hood company business. In any case, I I don't want to miss the fun. You're a remarkably square man, Sandy. There are times when I'm quite fond of you. Yeah. Here we are. 207. Going to knock? Uh-uh. Our only chance is to rush him. Hope the doors and locked. Watch out, Sandy. Yep. No. Done. Done. He's asleep on the bed. Take it easy, Gregory. We can tie him with the bedclothes. He doesn't need bedclothes, Sandy. He needs a shroud. He's dead. Smell this bottle of whiskey. It's been spiked with cyanide.
2: Great Scott.
1: Gregory! Look, there on the floor. The now familiar corpse of Mr. Travers. How it does get around.
2: Oh, we're in a serious
1: jam now, Gregory. Knee deep in corpses and not a single suspect left. We don't need one. I know who murdered Gunn, and uh, oddly enough, he's in the room now. The killer? Where? In the closet? Uh, closer than that, Sandy. Oh, now look, Gregory. If you're going to put the finger on me as the least suspected person, it's going too far. I won't stand for it. <laughs> no, no, Sandy. Mr. Travers lying on the floor is the latest killer. But you, 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 you mean that the, the corpse is the murderer? Sure. Remember the empty cyanide vial before Travers was killed himself. He'd poisoned Gunn's whiskey. Gunn figured he'd stay sober until he'd retrieved Travis's corpse. He brought it back here, started to figure out how he was going to dispose exactly. of it. Exactly. He decided to take a slug of whiskey to help his thinking machinery, and so he died. Murdered by his own victim. Oh, I see. And now I have a call to make Elmwood 64222. Calling Lieutenant Magruder? Sure. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, Magruder, in homicide, please. After you're through, Gregory, I'll call Mary. We'll have one of her delicious rabbits, and you'll stay the night. It's a date. Uh, Magruder, this is Gregory Hood. Now, settle back in your chair and make yourself comfortable, because I've got a fairy story to tell you. Once upon a time, a couple of worthy citizens were driving across the Bay Bridge when the car in front of them started to weave. You'll never believe this, Magruder, but as... In... <laughs> Gregory, that was a swell story. Very different, too. Yes, and I might say it almost marked the end of my beautiful friendship with (laughs) Macruder. That was quite a twist, Gregory. The murderer being murdered by his victim. And I'd like to point out a moral. uh, If you'll pardon my pointing. Oh, go right ahead. The story proves that you get what you give. (laughs) And fortunately, that works for the best, too. Ah, quite a philosopher, aren't you? Just what you mean. Well, we all get what we give. Look, when you drop by my house, what do I give you? A warm welcome. And? Um, A good dinner. And? Uh, Oh. A glass of Petri wine. (laughs) Right. And when I visit you, I get... Petri wine. Right again. And that's because we both know that Petri wine is a good wine. Petri wine has got to be good wine. Look at the long years of skill and experience that goes into its making. Why, the Petri family has been making wine for generations. Wine making is their heritage. A heritage handed on down from father to son, from father to son. And don't forget, ever since the Petri family first went into business, they've watched over that business personally. Yes, the making of Petri wine is a family affair, and the Petri family has every intention of keeping it just that. So you know that the name Petri on a bottle of wine is more than a trademark. It's the personal assurance of the Petri family that Petri wine is and always will be Good one. Well, Gregory, to what page of your casebook are you turning next Monday? Next Monday, Harry, I'm going to tell you an odd story that concerns a San Francisco cable car, a rather unusual brunette, and a blood-stained hatchet. I call it the Black Museum. See you next Monday, Harry. <laughs> The Casebook of Gregory Hood is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher. Original music is composed and played by Dean Fossler. Mr. Gail Gordon plays the part of Gregory Hood, and Sanderson Taylor is played by Mr. Bill Johnstone. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. The Casebook of Gregory Hood comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petrie family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by The Casebook of Gregory Hood.